again, Nation. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather Blog, on Facebook under the name In All Kinds of Weather, on YouTube. Of course, we now have two channels. In All Kinds of Weather is our main one that's been up for almost a decade now. Our new channel, of course, the podcast-specific channel, the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast YouTube channel now up and running. Please go ahead, give us a like on this video and a subscription on that podcast channel if you would not mind. Definitely would appreciate that as we lift that off the ground. Today, I'm joined by new In All Kinds of Weather intern Ethan Howick, who you may remember from some recently past baseball slash softball coverage on the website. He'll be joining us on the pod moving forward this spring. Big time Gator baseball and softball fan along with other sports, obviously, but really into baseball, really into softball. So he's going to be covering that for us this spring. And we'll get talking with him and talk about the Gator baseball team in just a minute as they got a big series win this past weekend over the Miami Hurricanes. But before we do that, Quick word about our sponsor slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. We collect donations from fans and we use them to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. All expenses paid. If you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the Donate button. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One is it's a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a much better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and big-time Gator fan. And three, they've got the personal stamp of approval from In All Kinds of Weather as they produced our new logo and our new website. And they did the new Gator Collective website and the new Gator Collective logo. And they do the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club, and they've still got more Gator-related stuff coming on the horizon. So if you're listening to this podcast and you or your brand or company needs help in any of the aforementioned areas, rest assured that Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. To learn about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. So with all the ads taken care of, today marks the introduction on the podcast side of things, at least for Ethan Howick, who's going to be interning for us this spring and helping out with some baseball slash softball coverage. He has written some baseball stuff for us on the website before on an all kinds of weather.com. And he's going to be our unofficial slash semi-official baseball softball correspondent this year. So Ethan, just let us get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about yourself and specifically how you became a Gator fan and how you got into journalism and um, yeah, I mean, what you're looking to accomplish this, this spring with us. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm a huge, yeah, I've just been a huge Gator fan since I was young. Uh, my dad went to Florida. Um, I'm a lived here pretty much my whole life. And um, I'm just looking forward to, uh, I've lived in Gainesville, uh, which is where I've been from. So uh, 
been going, been taught just to go to the games, cheer on the team. And I've just learned to appreciate like all the different sports and the environments and the players. And um, also, yeah, I'm looking to really accomplish like a lot of things. I mean, I've been getting into journalism by writing on my own on, I use LinkedIn to write about my favorite teams and everything. And this season I'm really just looking to accomplish just uh, talking sports and just learning about the whole like, sports journalism in general like writing uh correlating stats and everything yeah it's just always like made me interested in that so not really much to say except that i just want to just help out and just like contribute to a gator website and just talk sports you know what i mean yeah i mean that's that's what sports journalism really does i mean it's it's just talking sports with people who want to read slash listen to or about sports i mean people people who get into journalism do so because they love what they do and i mean i think that you'll find especially with this year's gator baseball team which we'll get into very very shortly it it can be very very fun to talk about a team that has just so many different things about it to like not just the people obviously because i mean you know, if you know the people that obviously helps but just there there's so much that this team does well and that just makes them that much more easy to root for and you know, and follow because it's fun and the people who follow the sport along with us are our readers slash you know, our audience i think sees a lot of the same things in them because it's hard not to see them with them being in the top five of almost every statistical category uh, at least on offense um but so before we talk more about baseball, though, that will be the crux of this episode. Got to touch on the other stickball sport. The softball team at Florida had a bit of a rough patch uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago now, I guess, where they went to California and got punched in the mouth a bit a couple of times by some pretty good teams. Oregon and UCLA shut them out, and then Cal Fullerton beat them. So they went one and three on the week. Not really – the results that we were looking for there, but they did bounce back since then. They swept UAB. They beat Central Florida on Wednesday night, so not the best competition there, but nonetheless, nice to see the bounce back. So, so far this year, they're 15-3. and three. What has stuck out to you that's impressed you, and what do you think the biggest thing is that the Gator softball team has to work on? Um, I mean, what stuck out to me is just, I mean, I was going to say this, is that beating teams in a – timely and dominatingly fashion up until that that um time in uh california but yeah i feel like what stuck out to me is just like a bunch of different players um contributing i mean you have sam Rowe, avery gills skylar wallace um i just think that you just have a dynamic offense that isn't just going to hit it like out of the ballpark which the gators aren't necessarily like a long ball team they're more about just getting on base and then scoring runs via that but also like these last few games, what stuck out to me is that I know they haven't been playing the competition that they really playing the competition that they did in California. Right. And they got lost and they kind of got exposed losing 18 to zero to top 25 teams in those two games. I think what stuck out to me is really just the pitching. I mean, they only allowed one run the whole three game series against UAB um, first. And then, yeah, they shut out UCF last night. So it's really been just the, the pitching to me and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can build off of like hitting wise in the um in the SEC like hitting maybe improving a little bit on the hitting wise when they were against in California just like getting on base more and figuring out ways to do that 
because that's really what helps score runs. Yeah, I mean, that's you're right. Softball, I think, in general, is less about hitting home runs. I mean, you know, there are some hitters like, you know, Jocelyn Allo at Oklahoma last year who was just adept at that. Uh, Florida had a couple back in the day with Lauren Hager. Um, Amanda Lorenz could do that well. But it's not really a home run friendly sport the way baseball can be. I don't want to say baseball is home run friendly, but it certainly can be if you've got that power. Softball, there's just there the shorter distance, I think, between the, the pitching circle is not a mound, it's a circle. The softball people will get mad if you don't make that distinction. Uh the, the difference between the pitching circle and home plate is just shorter. Uh, so you don't have the time to just load up and, and load and explode on the base on the softball the way you do on the baseball, where you have a farther distance. Uh, and the pitches are coming in fast, but they're also not as fast as, you know, 95 mile an hour baseballs get thrown. So you have to supply more of the power, whereas in baseball, the pitcher is supplying more for you. So combined, you know, combine those two things. I just think it's, it's just that much more difficult to hit home runs. So Florida has to be better at getting on base for sure. As you said, I mean, getting shut out. I mean, they did have a couple of base runners in those games, but you have to be able to string you know, reaching safely on for a few different hitters. You can't just have, you know, a walk in a single and then the next three batters ground out. You can't just have a double and then maybe a walk and then the next three pop out. You have to be able to string successful hits slash walks together to be able to be successful. And Florida, I think, has to has to work on that as they get into the SEC schedule. I mean, they have one more tournament this weekend uh, with Mercer, Louisiana, and Rutgers. Uh, then a midweek game against Bucknell, and then it's SEC time. Missouri, Arkansas are not terrible teams. They kind of get thrown into the fire right away. So we'll we'll see. I think that Florida's got a lot to be positive about, but I think that they definitely have to improve, as you said, in, in getting on base more consistently. So that's that's softball. Baseball, a bit of a different prognosis right now. Florida, Miami this past weekend – for those of you who don't follow baseball, which, by the way, is why we're talking about this, it's one of Florida's best sports right now. And I think it's awesome to experience a game at that ballpark. So the goal of covering them as much as we're about to this season is to sort of bring more people over to becoming Gator baseball fans as opposed to just Gator fans who wish the baseball team well. But anyway, for those who don't know, Florida-Miami baseball is the rivalry. Like this is it. FSU and LSU and Georgia are and Tennessee, especially now, our rivalries, they they do get intense for sure, but this is the state rivalry for Gator baseball because FSU is weird. You, you get them in, in three one-off games on Tuesday where the fourth best pitchers for each team will will get the starts. So it's there's just an odd dynamic. It's still intense, but it's just it's not the same as this. So this is it. It was heated, it was emotional as it, it was billed to be, and it was a lot of fun, and it was a crazy series. So Friday night, Florida goes up or Miami goes up three, nothing on a three run Homer by Yohandi Morales, but Florida comes off the mat, goes nuts on offense. Brandon Sproat does well the rest of the way. Florida wins that 10, four game two, kind of the inverse. Florida goes up six to one after five innings, but the bullpen could not hold the lead. Miami scored 13 unanswered runs to win that game. 14, six and tie the series at one apiece. And on Sunday, Florida comes back to the ballpark with a vengeance and just blows the doors off. Four runs in the first with four two-out singles in a row. Four more runs in the second on a BT Ryapel Grand Slam. And then in the eighth inning, Florida triggers the new double-digit run mercy rule. 
in college baseball when Ty Evans hits a walk-off homer to put Florida up 14 to four. That's double digits. That's 10 runs. Game ends there. That's the end of the series. And as he rounds the bases, Evans displays to everybody exactly how much the win means. Bat flip, throat slash, blowing kisses at the Miami dugout. And then for a finale, he holds up the U and he smashes it down over his knee as he crosses the plate. So that's that's the basic nitty-gritty of what happened. It was an intense rivalry series, a lot of back and forth. The series win is what matters most ultimately. I mean, we yes, the overall win record at the end of the year does matter. You talk about how Florida or how any team is like, say, for example, 45 and 20. You don't say, oh, well, they're they're 13 and 2 in series. Their their record's 13 and 2 because they won 13 series and lost. No, you don't talk about that. You talk about the overall win-loss record. But in terms of bragging rights for sure, and for NCAA tournament resume purposes, winning the series is what matters. So Florida got that win in the series over the rivalry or over the rival in Miami. Now let's talk about it because there's, there's so much to unpack here. So let's start on Friday night where Brandon Spurl gets himself into a three, nothing hole with the, the Morales Homer Miami's bench is doing the Gator chomp. Their taunts are loud. They're barking at the Gators that both the fans and the dugout. And then Brandon Spurl settles in and he gives Florida a really impressive outing. You go six innings, gives up four runs. Only three of them are earned because Kate, there because Kobe Halter dropped a pop-up on four hits. So to you, Ethan, what did he show in that performance that gives you confidence the rest of the season? Um, I feel like he showed that no matter how much he can get, he got into trouble in the beginning, right? He just didn't let that get to him. It's a rivalry game of what there was a record number of students, I think, attended that game, a, ser- a series record number of people in that whole series. I think he showed that. He knows his stuff is good enough, and no matter what happened the top of the first inning, he can just he clamped down and he focused on what he could control. Is just to get those final, final. I think he pitched um five scoreless after that, and he just just figured out how to trust his stuff. I mean, he's one of the top throwing starters. I mean, he, th- he throws up to a hundred miles an hour sometimes in some games, and we've been seeing it all year. It also can it also just quiets the narrative that. Oh well, what are they going to do when we play good competition? Um, it quieted the narrative that our pitching, especially our starting pitching, is good enough to compete with any single opponent. Um, we'll, we'll get to the bullpen eventually, but we know that our starting pitching is good enough to uh, get wins against quality opponents. And especially with Brandon Sprode, it showed that he can go semi deep in games in six innings, three runs is a quality start, and that definitely helped him he got the win he's 3-0 and look at he's gonna look forward from there i mean we have sec play coming up so yep yeah i mean i I think that everyone who even has a passing interest in gator baseball knows that the offense is explosive and we'll talk about that too but the the one knock against them has been the bullpen and we'll, and we'll talk about that in a second but that puts all the pressure in the world on brandon sprout to give us really, really strong outings. He'll never say this. He will never go to a press conference. He will never tweet or, you know, text anybody. Yeah, my bullpen is is garbage. I don't trust him. He'll he'll never say that. But in the back of his head, he's got to know that. He he's seen it. You know, he has eyes like the rest of us. He has seen the bullpen melt down before. He saw it happen the night after his his performance against Miami, which we'll talk about also in a second. But I mean, he sees like the rest of us, he's aware of the situation. You can't take something 
that's really bad and just make something of it that it's not. It's a bad bullpen. It's a liability. And that makes it all the more difficult for him to clamp down after giving up that three-run homer where the emotions are high, where the canes are taunting us, where they're doing the gator chomp, where they're throwing up the U, where they're screaming all kinds of stuff from him from the dugout. That just adds on to all of that tension and all that emotion and all that pressure that's already on him. And he did a great job bouncing back from that. So even with the offense that, yes, he knows can help him get out of some jams. He figures, all right, well, I'm down 3 nothing. That's nothing because this offense will bounce back in no time and I'll get my run support easily. He also knows, well, the bullpen is that bad. So those two counteract. They cancel out. Having that great offense and having that bullpen that he's got are completely negligible because they just completely cancel. So he has to understand that he's in a situation where – his margin for error is microscopic and he goes out and he just performs tremendously from that point on the rest of the way. Um, so that was Friday. So that was the first game of the series Saturday. The roles kind of reversed. Florida goes up six, one Hurston Waldrop was great. Uh, nasty wipeout slider. That was probably one of the, one of the things that stuck out to me most from watching um, by the way, for those of you all who don't know, this is the first time I've ever been to a game at this ballpark. So my first, you know, my first live action of seeing Gator baseball in a real game. I also went to the, the the Jacksonville exhibition against Georgia last year. But my first real impression of watching Gator baseball live was just how filthy that slider is from Hurston Waldrop. Uh, Jack Haglione hits two homers, but then we saw the thing that we've been talking about, and I think now we have just have to address head-on that's been holding Florida back this year, the bullpen. It gave up the game. Uh, I mean, I guess the easiest way to ask this is, what did you make of that bullpen implosion, and, and what do you think Sully does with it moving forward? I think, I mean, I don't want to go full negative here, but I think the scariest part is that the bullpen can bite you in different ways. I mean, th this game, it was the hits, right? We gave up, what, nine hits? Um, in that the bullpen gave up nine hits. Um, correspondingly, just the runs just kept coming in, too, and the nine runs. It, there was no stranded run runners there. There was probably a couple stranded runners. But it was the hits in this game. And I honestly think it's going to be tough to figure out the bullpen because I all I know is that we've seen uh, players like Tyler Nesbitt, um, Cade Fisher, except he did have a little rough outing on Sunday. But I think we've seen them as one of the more consistent bullpen. I just think go, go, going too deep into your bullpen and just taking out guys after one batter is – it gives more opportunities. I don't really know what to say except that that was just kind of a, a one – I think that that's going to be more of like a one-time outing. I mean, giving up nine – runs for your bullpen, I don't think it can really get any worse than that. I think that though the bullpen is a problem in that getting on the hits and the walks, I think on Sunday was the walks were the issue and past games. I mean, if you want to go back to JU the week before, it was the, the back end of the bullpen walking a bunch of guys. And I think that's the most scariest part. And I think you just got to find the hitter players who are at least throwing strikes and stranding some runners because we know that and then you go with those. I mean, you it's not going to be perfect, and we all know that, but that's who you got to go with, the people that are throwing strikes, stranding runners, and just not giving free passes, especially we've seen that when we've been up eight or nine runs too, just a couple of walks to start an inning. So I think that's who you got to look for. And I think players like Cade Fisher, who did, I think, on Friday night throw three scoreless, hitless, 
game innings against Miami, and it wasn't when the game was too out of hand. It was four, five, six runs. I think you see that with him. I mean, but again, he did have that. He has had some rough outings. So you just got to go with the people who are throwing strikes and, yeah, getting out of jams. Yeah, man, I, I, I like the way you put that, and it can bite you in different ways because they can they can give up home runs that go 475 feet. They can lose the strike zone completely and throw 10 balls in a row out of the zone, and they can maybe you know throw strikes but just leave the ball over too much of the plate, and they keep getting whacked in the corner in the gaps for doubles and triples. Or they can just give up a lot of you know hard-hit clean singles in a row. I mean, they, they can lose the zone in a variety of different ways. You say, you know, not hitting your spots, that can mean a bunch of different things. The common denominator though, is whether you're walking six guys in a row or hitting batters, you're giving up a, a few homers in a row, or you're just leaving too many balls over the plate that get hit for doubles and triples. The common denominator is you're going to lose the game because you're going to give up a ton of runs that way. And I think we saw some of the some of the just wildness earlier. Uh, I think about a week ago now. Uh, by the time you guys hear this against Jacksonville, the the spots weren't hit. There were some free passes. There were some singles, and there were a couple of bombs. Like Florida's pitching just wasn't there. And I think that is in part due to the fact that it was a Wednesday game, which means that Florida. You know, most teams don't have five starting pitchers in college, but Florida was down to their to their fifth option, essentially, meaning that the leash was always going to be short and the bullpen was always going to have to do a lot of work to win that game. And we saw that the back end of the bullpen, which could come into play if Florida has to go deep into a regional again or the World Series, is very, very shaky. And Kate Fisher is probably the best of them. Fisher did great, but... I mean, aside from him and and beyond him, it's it's just so difficult to have confidence in him. And and I, I will say, in you know, to to sort of combat the negativity that you don't want to portray, the one sort of calm down thing I will say is that Sully has taken worse bullpen situations before and gotten production out of them as the year progressed, and it is still March. Because, I mean, you know, it, in fairness, there's a lot of young guys who haven't been in this situation very much. You're, you're telling 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids to grind work and practice for hours upon hours a day to throw maybe 5, 10, 15 pitches in a game. The adrenaline is going to be pumping for that short span of time, and you have to be perfect in it. Your sample size is going to be so small because you have this role that is not that big, but you have to do your job at that time when you're called upon. You can't you know, have it 20 minutes later, it's going to be too late. You can't have it in warmups, but then lose it when you're on the mound. You have to have your best stuff in the moments it matters most. And that's difficult to do for kids. It's hard to zero in like that on such a short stage where so much is riding on it. And with that said, though, aside from Cade Fisher, it's just so problematic. I mean, Fisher Jamison, Ryan Slater, uh, Blake Purnell, Nick Ficarota, yeah, they, they have had good moments, um, but they've also had bad moments. And I think the takeaway about the bullpen so far is that it's been so bad that it's at the point where it's lost three games for a team that, I mean, it's, it's either Florida or Wake Forest. It's lost three games for a team that probably has the best lineup in college baseball, if not second best behind Wake. Florida is 12-3 and three right now. 
They've blown multi-run leads in all three of their losses. And in two of those games, including the second one against Miami, they've blown five run leads. And that can't happen. Florida is one of two schools in the country, the other of which is Wake Forest, that scored six-plus runs in every single game this season. You score six runs in college baseball, especially when you have starters like Spurrett, Waldrop, and Caglione on the weekends. That should win you the game 99% of the time. And instead, this bullpen has already cost Florida three games. And it almost cost them the series because on Sunday, Florida was up 9-1, to one, and Brandon Neely almost gave the game away. It's, it's, it's just causing my brain to melt thinking about it again. I'm just... I'm at a loss thinking about how close Florida was to utter disaster on Sunday. Florida goes up 9-1. They have the big rally in the first inning. BT Rypel, Grand Slam. That's great. Sack fly in the third. It's 9-0. We're, you know, you and I are sitting together. We're we're happy. We're celebrating. We're enjoying it. Miami fans are quiet. Things are good. And then in the eighth inning, Brandon Neely gives up three runs on four hits. And now it's nine to four. Miami's got second and third with one out. Cade Fisher comes in and Blake Sear hits a liner that almost gets through, but Josh Rivera makes a great play on, jumps, makes the catch, and throws back to second to double off Zach Levinson. End of the threat. And I mean, Ethan, again, like if that ball is is three, four inches higher, two runs score, it's nine to six, and there's still just one out. And if Kay Fisher can't get the job done there, I mean, Florida's out of options. They don't have anybody else that they can really trust. So that, to me, is the scariest part. But we didn't lose the game. We don't get to talk about a series loss now. We talk about a series win today. And I think we owe a big debt of gratitude to Josh Rivera for that because we saw his fluid fielding on display throughout the weekend. But, I mean, in no bigger situation than here – in this critical spot. So not only because of this play though, but just in general, how big do you think it is that Florida has such a tremendous fielding shortstop anchoring its infield? Um, I just think that, I mean, to Josh Rivera has always been to me, a player that you just know has that it factor, that talent factor. I mean, his swing has always been smooth, but he has shown that there are things that need to be worked on the past. And now you're seeing that, He's very close, I think, to a 5 to a player right now. I mean, he has a great arm at shortstop. He has the speed, the power. He's been hitting home runs. He's been driving in runs. He just recently had a 9-RBI game. I just think that it's just great to see that kind of leadership from him. I mean, he's he, he did decide to come back for another season after last year. He didn't have to. And uh, I think that that's just, I mean, that's just huge. Um, can I say one more thing about the uh, bullpen for a second? All right. So um, I feel like, Mainly, if you think about the bullpen, like we are these past two weeks have been five game weeks and you do have to kind of go deep into your bullpen and see and have players who do who aren't as good as the as other players. But I feel like once we get into the SEC play, and we're playing four to three games a week. We're going to be able to not have to use as many arms and have our arms that we know that are better. I mean, we, we just saw last night. Um, Tyler Nesbitt, Philip Abner, both have good good outings against uh, FAU. Who's not a slouch, honestly. And I feel like the only though downside is that if we are going to extra innings in SEC play, then we're going to have to go to the to the players, and you're going to see that aren't as good in that walk and give up hits. But I feel like once we get into those shorter weeks, we're going to see like 
the lo- the people that are starting in the midweek maybe do the longer and doing well. Uh, we saw Tyler Nesbitt and Philip Abner do that recently. Um, and we'll see though, may change. They may not be- do as well next time, but he's just got to go. He just has to go with who's most consistent starting and going on the weekdays to maybe give that longer relief on the weekends in SEC play when you aren't playing all as many midweek games as you are now. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. I would say that this is a, a good practice run to see an audition sort of, I guess, uh, to sort of see who and what you've got in different guys uh, in that bullpen and who you can trust going into the SEC. And obviously more important than that in the NCAA tournament, which you still have uh, three months before that starts. But I, I just would rather have seen some more positivity from more than one guy. Uh, I mean, Cade Fisher has been the only consistent guy in the bullpen. Blake Purnell has had moments in 2022, especially where he did some good things and he did blow a game against Georgia. But for the most part, he was he was solid in 2022, has not been that great so far in 23. So I'd like to see him get back to the point where he was a year ago, sans that Georgia game. But it is it is worth pointing out that Florida won't be playing as many games per week as they are playing right now. The counter to that obviously being, well, they're, they're, they're two. One, what you just mentioned about extra innings. And two, again, if you get to a regional or if you get to the College World Series and you, you are – you, know, you, you lose a game and you are playing four or five games in a week, you're going to have to go back to those guys. So I'm not saying they have to be tremendous, but I think they have to get to a point of at least respectability and going from a weakness to not a strength, but just, just neutral and, you know, neither being a weakness nor a strength to really have trust in Florida to really make noise this year in the postseason. Because I think as long as that's this big of a weakness, there there's going to be, obvious reason for concern so uh before we wrap this pod up i gotta give you the opportunity to shout out any other players slash performances that really stuck out to you i think we're gonna cap every pod this way because in a in a gator baseball podcast that we're gonna do once a week if not every other week there are gonna be many games many storylines i mean the weekend series has three games whereas basketball and football only have you know, one game a week. So there's a lot that's happened. So we won't get to touch on everybody in a natural, you know, fluid discussion of, of the week, but there have been a lot of different players who I think have deserved some, some positive shout outs. So who most impressed you this weekend and what most impressed you this weekend? Um, I feel like definitely, I mean, I know everybody's, I feel like obviously you got to go with uh, Wyatt Langford. I mean, he's, on uh, Sunday, two for four, two RBIs. Um, he's doing really well on the two three RBIs, three for five on Friday. Um, more people are talking about, you know, those young freshmen like Kate Curland and Jack Aglund. He's kind of stealing all the um, the talk right now. I mean, he's hitting home runs. He's going deep in games as a pitcher um, on Sunday, obviously. I mean, six innings, one run, that eight strikeouts. He was just electric of, as usual. I mean, he's 2-0. and oh. Still hasn't lost a game. He's tied with the lead in the country with um, 11 home runs, I think, right now. And um, him, um, obviously, BG Ryapel on that Sunday game, he had a great, great, that five RBI game on Sunday. And I think, like, it's just a lot of different players are contributing. And, I mean, you're seeing that. And um, 
top of the order, of course. K. Curling continues to be consistent at the top of the order. Two for five on a Friday and, of course, three for five on Sunday. And it's just the fact that we just have so many players in the lineup that can get hits, hit home runs, too. I mean, I steal, we don't have many that could steal bases, but we definitely have the guys in the bottom of the order that can steal a bases for the top of the order. Just so many different ways to score. The long ball, what I just said earlier. And um, I just think that that's the most dangerous part about this offense. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a shout-out to the team on just – I think you remember you saying they're the only team in the country that hasn't scored below six runs. Is that true in a game yet? Still holds as of now. Yep. So I just think that we're – I think that things are going to get better when we are playing less games, but um, we'll see what happens. And yeah, all those players have just done a really good job. So all the players that I mentioned, including Josh Rivera, we just talked about. Josh Rivera has done a lot to, and I hate saying this because, you know, I love all the Gators equally, but Josh Rivera, maybe love a little more equally. He, the, the heart that kid has is, is just so, is just so noteworthy to me. First with the fielding, and I think I tweeted this out right after the game, like one of the things that stuck out to me the most watching in person versus watching on TV, I can see that his mechanics as a fielder are flawless. He is the kind of guy you tell your kids when they're starting to play baseball or softball, you know, little girls can look up to him too. The technique is the same, how to field baseballs, how to, you know, how to move your body around a square as you're throwing the ball at first, how to be intelligent, how to think about things. Every little girl, every little boy who wants to play baseball or softball, look at how Josh Rivera feels because his his mechanics are just so they're just so easy. They come so easy to him because he's worked on them so long and he's perfected them. And more importantly to me is I, I think he had a lot of bad luck at the plate on Friday night, especially he smoked some baseballs, but didn't get any any credit. He just kept hitting them right at fielders. Didn't take them to the field with them. He went to the field with a completely different mindset. You know, Hey, you know, whatever happened at the plate, it happened at the plate. This is time to field. Let's, let's go make sure no balls come past me. Let's play the role of goalie and make sure that I keep everything in the infield. And he made some incredible plays throughout the weekend, most notably on Sunday when I think he saves that game. Blake Sear hits that ball over his head. I'm I'm certain that that's getting through and two runs are scoring. And at that point it's nine, six and Florida is out of options in its bullpen. I mean, they have no one to go to if, if Fisher can't get the job done or at least no one that they can trust. If Fisher can't get the job done and he saved them with that first, the, the incredible play and then the presence of mind to throw back to second and get the double play. So great for him. And then he comes at the, up to bat in the next half inning and smashes a home run throws the U upside down. He's he's just the, the spark plug of this team. And I think while Langford and, and BT Ryapel and Cade Curland obviously are going to get all the ink, and they should get it because they're tremendous players in their own right, this team, I think, goes as far as Josh Rivera goes. I think he is the key to them being successful uh, later on this year and you know, hopefully in, in Omaha, Nebraska, which is the goal of every season. So – Definitely have to give Rivera a shout out. Also, very quickly shouting out BT Ryapel. I think he had some bad luck on Saturday too. He smacks the ball right at the pitcher with second or no, with the bases loaded. 
Um, if that ball is maybe a foot left or right, it's up the middle for a base hit two run score for Florida. Instead, it's right at the pitcher. He's thrown out the inning ends. Florida can't capitalize and a base is loaded, no outs opportunity, and they lose that game. He doesn't let that bother him. He comes back, calls a great game as catcher, comes back to the bat the next day. Base is loaded again. What does he do? Another barrel on another pitch, grand slam. Florida goes up eight nothing and should have broken that game open, but you know, bullpen gonna bullpen. And that is what that is. But the Gators got the series win, Ethan. So uh last question. I guess I mean we're gonna have to end every pod this way because it is a long season, but what are, what are you most looking forward to for the Gators over the next couple of weeks? We know the bullpen has to improve, but what are you looking to see specifically over the next couple of weeks? I mean, I'm looking to see – I am I am looking to see, of course, the bullpen improve, and I'm just looking for see the starters, whether it be they are working hard. They have gone five to close six innings. But I'm looking to see the first two starters maybe go a little bit longer and just get a little bit more – just get just be a tad bit more what they were like just go deeper in games allow fewer runs um uh, i think uh sprode allowed did allow just the three in against miami um but uh yeah especially guys like hertz and waldrop i'm looking to see him against good competition allow less than five runs which he did have that 14 strikeouts in the slider was nasty but i am looking to see that the runs go down that way and i Nothing much more I can say about the offense. I mean, I'm just looking to see it keep, keep not, it doesn't have to be amazing every single night, but I'm looking to see just that continuation of just everybody contributing. Very few teams have what we have where it's like all nine hitters can do something in the lineup. It's just like, like mostly it's just the top four or five guys in most teams. And the fact that it's just all nine, and I am very happy about Josh Rivera and just what he's shown this year kind of having not close. We'll see if he has keeps it up, but I mean, it could be one of those breakout years that could just definitely jump his draft stock for sure, which that just shows coming back for another year. He didn't have to, and he did is very, very smart to do. Yeah. College baseball can produce a lot of talent. If you, if you go and develop yourself there, as opposed to in the minors, it's a lot less forgiving there. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the in all kinds of weather forecast. Ethan, great job. Welcome. You did I mean, did not show that this was your first podcast, so definitely happy to have you on and look forward to talking baseball with you the rest of the way. And hopefully we've got a long run in the postseason way down the road that follows a very exciting regular season that results in some wins over rivals and just a lot to look forward to in that postseason. So welcome, Ethan, and can't wait to keep going with you the rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you for having me and go Gators. Go Gators.